You're listening to the Tuna Town Talks Fishing Podcast with Captain Paul Miller. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening. I'm a full-time charter captain based out of Ennis, Louisiana, and over the years I've seen some of the most incredible things, and some of my friends have told me some of the most unbelievable stories, so much to where I decided I would like to start a podcast. And now a word from our title sponsor, Blue Wave Boats. Blue Wave has been the number one selling bay boat along the Gulf Coast for many years now. And with over 50 square miles of marsh located out of Venice, Louisiana, it is essential that I choose the right boat to put my clients on fish. For the last four to five years, I've been using a 24-foot bay boat powered with a single 300 Suzuki, and it's been an amazing boat. However, over the years, I've also learned that I like to target a lot of different species that are near shore, so having a bigger boat with more power could help with that, which is why I've decided to move to a 26 Pier Bay powered with twin 200 Suzukis, and this has been the perfect size boat for being able to target multiple different species, especially because the boat has over four live wheels in it, which allows me to use multiple different baits to target multiple different species. With the flush mounted seating, I'm also able to maintain ample fishability, all while still providing a comfortable ride for my clients. With the step toll technology, I'm able to be more fuel efficient at higher speeds, which is also a huge advantage when making long runs through the marsh. If you would like to purchase a Blue Wave boat, head on over to bluewaveboats.com where you can find your local dealer. Alrighty guys, I'm here for another episode of Tuna Town Talks, and uh, this one's going to be a little different guys, we, usually I have like uh, somebody that's in the, as far as fisherman wise, and on the podcast that do the same type of work that I'm doing, either either sport fishing or other charter fishermen, but today uh, a good friend of mine, um, Taylor Olson, uh, he worked on a Menhaden fishing boat, or a pogey fishing boat, um, right um uh, right here off the northern gulf coast and um i don't know we're good friends and i've always kind of thought that some of our conversations were really interesting um pertaining to how how they catch them and um you know what he saw from uh, it, you know he fished a whole a full season on on one of these pogey boats so i just wanted to have him on um just to kind of tell us a little bit about that and um I don't know, just, I just thought it would be an interesting one, so we'll go ahead from here, but, um, originally, um, me and Taylor went to, um, school kind of together, I guess, on neighboring schools, <laughs> but then we took a trip over to, uh, to Asia, we went to Bali and Thailand together, it's pretty sick, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was a good trip, for sure, um, but thank you for having me, but yeah, it was a, it was a good trip. Yeah, man, that was, um, super fun, we both kind of went over there with, like, no plan, and, Ended up, shout out to our boy Ricky, <laughs> met Ricky there, and uh, man, it was so much fun, just like, I don't know, Bali for a couple weeks. And then... Yeah, it was a blast, man, I, that was um, probably the best trip I've ever been on, it, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> that was one of, yeah, definitely one of my favorites of all time, like, if any of you guys ever want to go to uh, Bali or Thailand, highly recommend. Highly recommended. And then you went you went to Dubai, right? Yeah, I ended up, uh, ended up. Cause I Thailand. went to Vietnam. Yeah, we and split up, and I, I yeah, I went to Dubai and I went skydiving. I was there for I don't know three or four days. Or you so. went skydiving? I for, oh yeah, I do yeah. remember you that. Yeah, yeah that you was did. pretty wild. Yeah, didn't you go dune desert. buggy riding or something? Like that? Uh, no, I didn't actually really do anything but skydive. Um, 
kind of. I skydived you know, in uh, Australia whenever I did it. <laughs> it. It's fun, man. I was I was kind of at the end of my trip though. I, I was kind of I was kind of out of it, kind of tired, and so I, I really just did the did the eating thing. I, yeah. I just checked out you know restaurants and yeah, kind of cool places and stuff like that. You know, right? I kind of feel like Vietnam got to a point like that for me and Ricky too, because we you know it was kind of like I, I, it doesn't matter how long you make a trip. It seems like it always gets to that point at the end of it yeah. where it's like. You know, like you're whether it's a week long or or three weeks long. At the end of it, you're you like, just all right. start to drag. Yeah, you just kind of like, all right, this when is it over? Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, how was Dubai though? It was cool. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. It's the richest city in the world. It's expensive. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see a lot of cool stuff. A lot yeah. of cool vehicles. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I guess we'll move into the fishing. So, um, you know tell us whatever you want but um like when did you like when did you actually start working on a pogey boat so i graduated in 16 from mississippi college and so i think 16 is when i started um and so i I did three i worked three seasons there and um it was it was hard work it was hard work but it was it was very interesting um i i loved the crew i was with um you know, I I thank my my captain and everything for the opportunity, and, and we had a we had a great crew and a great setup, and and we caught a lot of fish. And yeah, that's, that was when that's what kind of facilitated you to be able to like make a long trip like that, right? Because it was right after that season. Oh, absolutely. And so so the cool thing was, that, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a six, a six month season, so you know the other six months you're off and you can you do what you want to do. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of what uh enabled me to to be able to travel and when does the season start i think we usually kicked off it's in like april, april. yeah that's april. usually when we start yeah. seeing is april yeah and then um and then you we'll, guys work like your work schedules like monday through friday right yeah monday through friday um i think they actually did start fishing I think out of the mississippi fleet they started fishing um like just a certain number of boats on a on a saturday um, oh, but yeah, when I was there, we were strictly Monday through Friday. Um, really? Yeah, and we'd come in on the weekends. So. That's pretty sweet to be able to. I mean, as a fisherman, to have <laughs> that kind a- of. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we it was a it was a really cool setup. Yeah, money and and ha- the. I mean, I don't know if you want to go into pay too much, but it's all catch based pay, right? Yeah, it's all catch based. Um, you have a you have a minimum a guarantee is what they call it so like you know you save two weeks yeah. like say a, say a storm comes or something and you're not able to fish for that two week check you make the whatever that minimum they're gonna is. give you like yeah. an, at least enough to, right yeah that's how like a lot of i guess charter boats do it too like if you get stiffed you know they guarantee you two or three hundred bucks right. or whatever right. they want to guarantee you um but yeah so like you guys start fishing in um in April, and I guess I guess tell us like, um, how do these boats work? Because a lot of keep in mind a lot of these people that are that are listening, um, be as elaborate as you can. Because a lot of these people that are listening have maybe never even seen a pogey boat or a menhaden boat. So, okay, so so what happens is is you 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 live on a on a um, a ship a, a steamer is what we called it, um, and you know you had your your all your living quarters, your kitchen, your galley, your you know your bunks and everything like that. Um, and, but on the actual, the, the fishing side, um, on the stern of the ship, the steamer are two, uh, 
two boats, two forty foot aluminum boats, and they have all your gear and. You what know, did y'all call those boats? <laughs> y'all called them something. Uh, were they those like the striker boats? Yeah, or the and striker if you wouldn't have asked yeah. me, I would have. And it's been yeah, how long ago I'm was this? Whenever you, blank. this is um, it's been about five years now. Yeah, because I was like 2018 up, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, 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 since yeah. I've been 2018. Up there. So yeah, purse boats is what they call. It. Yeah, purse boats. Purse boats. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was drawing a blank there for a second, but um, but yeah. So so when you go to act, so when you see your fish, so you're 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 just riding on the ship on the steamer, mm-hmm. and you're looking for your fish, or you're looking for your certain signs. And y'all know. have the planes up there too. Yeah, and so our and our companies they they run uh they run they ran spotter planes for you, and so they would have communication back and forth to the captain, um. But so you so you go back to the purse boats and you slide them off the the ship and you and you you know you direct them in to wherever your set's going to be and um, like I say all your all your equipment for that set are, are, is in those boats so you know you have half the net in one of the boats and half the net in the other boats so what you do is when you see you know your spot of fish you you split apart and the net opens up and 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 falls off the stern of the boat the whole time you're going and you you come back around and you circle around and you close the net up and you drop a time weight um to you know kind of sink your net well the bottom of your net what's a time weight it's just it's a huge and i can't even remember man it's just a weight that i had to guess a thousand pound weight that you dropped over the side of. oh and it closes up the net yeah and it was yeah and so in and your 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 the bottom of your net is is hooked on is um attached to purse reels in the boat with uh rope and um what you do is you you just like hydraulic wheels yeah and you purse you purse in the you purse in the uh rope that's you know circles the bottom of the net and so you draw you draw the bottom of the net up and you close it up um and so then you know you you start you start getting your net back in the boat at that point um it's it it it's pretty cool how it works. It's um, it's attached to hydraulic rams and hydraulic blocks, and it and it re- kind of reels the net in for you. And is that on the purse boats or on the steamer? That's on the purse boats. Okay. Yeah, yeah so I've you, seen them do it. It's quite wild. Like it's, seeing it, it's, it's like it's pretty wild, man. It's, it's, it's pretty. Is it pretty dangerous whenever you're doing that? I mean, to me, it's it's very dangerous. Um, there's just so many moving parts, man. I mean, people get hurt out there. Uh. Fortunately, we didn't have too many accidents that I can remember when I was there. Um, I don't know, maybe one or two, and then nothing, nothing major, yeah. luckily. Um, but that's a lot of net. But there's just, like, there just, just is. There's just a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of net. There's a, you know, a lot of things you have to watch out for and really be very attentive. It's a, it's a very very attentive job, yeah. um, especially while you're you know while you're making your set. You ever fall in? Oh, absolutely, and jump in. I mean, you know, there's certain times where you know you may have so many fish that you have to kind of it's you. It's kind of hard to explain, but you have to tie a certain part of the net in because the weight's pushing on that part. To so you're trying to take weight, you're trying to take some of the pressure off that specific area to be able for the hydraulic block to be able to 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 pull that part pull. of the net in. Hmm. Um, so you'll kind of like get have to get in the water, basically. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I have yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of wild how it works. Um, and you know, at that point, 
you know, it, it's it's dangerous, but you know, you're trying to. That's your money. You're trying to save your. Yeah, you're, you know, trying, you're to trying to save the save money because you get paid off the catch. You so get you paid were, strictly off the catch. So, so the more you know, the more you save, the more you're making. I bet it's competitive so. like that too, kind of. Oh yeah, all the boats are all the boats are competitive with each other. I think all the companies are, you know, competitive with each other. Yeah, um, the companies among themselves, among the I'm, fleets. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you too much about you know actually you know company wise, but definitely boat wise, we're definitely um definitely yeah, everybody is competitive through yeah. boats, you mm-hmm. know. And you you guys were on the number one boat that year. I was, well actually all three years and actually I you did three seasons. Yeah, I did three seasons. Um, and, and actually, man, um, I want to say the captain that I worked with, he he had like ten or twelve seasons in a row that he was number one. He had a long. He had a long stretch. He's a very good, very good captain and, you know, really knows his stuff. Yeah, he's. you said he was a good guy, right? Like he's oh, yeah, he's a very good guy. Very, very, ran a tight ship. That's that's what you want, man. You kind of want somebody that you can kind of look up to in a captain, you know? Absolutely, and he was one of those <laughs> you guys. You don't want somebody you don't think much of. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and he was one of those guys where, yeah, he, he ran a tight ship, and it was, you know, I guess – what he says goes but at the same time you know he he left it up to the group a lot he left it up to you know our our mate which is you know our bosun which was our kind of in-between boss you know to our captain and so he knew how to he knew how to manage everything and and Hmm. he he was a really good manager he was a very very good decision maker you know on the on the fly if anything was going wrong you know i mean he there wasn't many times that I can think of that he ever, you know, even halfway panicked or second guessed or anything. It was always, you know. He knew what to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool to have confidence in somebody like that. Yeah. (laughs) That's above you. Oh, yeah, for sure. But going back to the day-to-day operation a little bit, like you got all these fish in the purse saying, and y'all get get the night, you you get the the hydraulics, and it's tightening the net up, right? Mm -hmm. And so all these fish, at at some point you guys are like, all right, that's enough hauling in. Yeah, and so you're kind of, you know, you get to a point where you really can't reel any more more net into the boats. And so, you know, you've kind of – crowd the fish i guess up tight enough to where you have them kind of pushed up towards the top of the water and then at that point the steamer comes by and you have a um you have a hydraulic hose that you put down into the net and you you suck the fish up onto the steamer through a through a uh through a shoot system up through the water and everything Mm -hmm. through the yeah and it, and it and it sucks them up through a shoot system and there's a filtration at the top to where you know any any bycatch or anything that you would you would have it's just pushed back over into the water and um and so, so how does that work how fish. does the how does the bycatch get out and so th- so there's opposite shoots so one of the shoots goes into your uh fish holds and then the other shoot goes is directed out to the water back out to the water Hmm. But how does it? How does it? So there's a grating at the top. It's a, it's a, you know filter system. I guess it's a grating at the top that only is only big enough for you know pogies, a pogie hmm. sized fish. Um, you ever go see what's coming out of the bycatch side? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's. I don't think it's near as much as people think. Um, you know that we we run across redfish, uh, you know black drum, and, and they'll go all the way through things that like hose. that. But yeah, they'll go. Um, so not all the time. So what you, what your, um, 
what your main goal is to really not suck any of them up and get them out of the net, which we did a lot. You know, we'd pick fish out and, you know. Just throw them out. Yeah, get them back in the water. Um, but if they do, you know, end up going through the hose, like I say, they're they're um, they're directed back into immediately back into the water. And maybe a little, uh, I don't know, maybe a rough little journey. But, I mean, like I say, there's not, I don't think there was near as much bycatch, I guess, as people but what is a lot like how like how often how often would you see a redfish was it every set was it oh no 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 and it usually is not every day um you know it's it's, there's certain there's certain places where you might run into bigger um you know bigger places of redfish but that wasn't the goal. No, no, no. That was absolutely not the like, goal. I mean, the goal is to only catch to only catch Menhaden. Um, now, you know, you might run into to a, a school of redfish feeding or something at that given time or whatever. But it wasn't every set. It wasn't even like I say every day. What was the most you'd ever seen in a set? Um, I mean, did it ever happen? Because I mean, I dude, I've seen like. Yeah, we, lots of redfish in the wake of those boats. There was times. one time where I saw, I mean, a pretty good. It, it, I mean, it was, it was a lot. I don't, I don't. It was a hundred. It was few hundred, a few hundred probably. A few hundred yeah. in one set. Did yeah. they make it or they all died? A lot of them. No, no, no. A lot of them made it. There were a few that that you could see that that died. That died but yeah. um, I mean, I, I didn't see many. Right. Um, and, and like I say, most of the time, you know, if, if I had to, I guess, put an actual number to it, I mean, I'd say 90, 80 to 90% of the, the, the fish survive after, you know, yeah. get, I mean, cause you, there would be, and I, I know at times, you, you know, you, people may see fish wash up and, and you're going to have that. You're going to, you ever see any triple tail? In those um, very few, but yes, a couple and I would, you need giants. I mean, I have some giants. Uh, no, no, not not any really big, to big any ones. size. Um, now, I guess most now, of I them mean, probably never even get in the net in the first place. In some ways, right? No, I mean they're. I think pogies. First off, they they travel in such huge schools. schools it's yeah. I mean it's it's almost wild. So, you know, they travel in a lot larger schools than. I mean, what I would think, I mean, I'm not a marine biologist or anything like that, but what I would think is any other fish travel. I mean, because they're, you know, I mean, I've seen videos from the plains where there's a school of fish, you know, miles around. Yeah, Yeah, we'll ride through them for miles coming out of the river. I mean, at at Venice's, did you guys fish mainly around around Louisiana, like the mouth of the river and so no, actually, mainly I fished in Mississippi, uh, in the Mississippi Sound and in the Britain Sound. Right. Um, we did make trips down to South Louisiana, South Louisiana, excuse me. Um, but at the time, the fishing was so good in Mississippi and and um, and and the Chandelier Sound and Britain Sound that we didn't really have to um, cross over to the river. Mm. So, how close would you guys get to land? From like what you recall, and so I think, um, I think in Mississippi it was a it was a mile um, that you had to stay from land. I cannot remember what the Louisiana was. I, you know, I know we were talking about this earlier, and I, I you said something about a quarter mile, and that may be correct. Um, there were they're, times they're pushing we were, to make them give us a mile uh, barrier, just because 
I mean, I've seen it, man. It it does like the the pokey fisherman to me as a as a just a fucking charter captain. Like to me, at times it does seem because like I, I'll show up to an area. I won't like I'll be fishing. Like particularly one day I remember this year, I was fishing. I caught bull reds. I pulled over somewhere else. I caught a few triple tail. Caught some more triple tail. It was really really good that day. We caught a lot of fish. Um. That afternoon, I saw some pogey boats, like, off in the distance. Well, there was a big swinging tide at that time, so the fish kind of, like, moved, end up moving closer and in closer to to shore. Right. And the next morning, it was a high tide, and these, when I pulled out there, there's these big steamers, you know, and the, 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 the freaking purse same boats, and they're, you know, right next to where I was fishing, and there's no fish anymore. Right, and it's hard for you not to think that like, no, did they catch all those fish? Prop, no, I don't think that they caught them, but they mess up the water and they move fish around, and the fish feel the pressure of all the bait leaving. Absolutely, and then they just they meet, they move, they move on. You know, absolutely, it'd be like a a dog flooding a a flock of birds. You know, like it just everything moves. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it probably. It's got to tamper with it in some in some ways for sure. The rest of the fish. Yeah, I just wouldn't. I would say tamper. I wouldn't necessarily say harm uh, because you know, like you say, and and I mean, I have a firsthand account. They didn't catch all those fish. You know, they didn't catch all those fish that you were catching the day before. Yeah, they did. You know, but as far as yes, may have pushed them out, may have made them move, may have made them have to. Uh, you know, go somewhere for, for more yeah. bait. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's it's very good very good chance. I mean, but that's what about the bottom of the nets? Do they drag on the bottom? Like on the nets themselves? I I don't there was very few times where I think we actually made it completely to the bottom as far but as But even if you guys are sitting in like three or five foot of water, I mean they got gotta be touching the bottom, right? I, who Man, I don't know if we ever sat in three or five foot of water. I mean, maybe. Maybe not three to five. All right. Maybe like five to ten foot of water. So I've definitely seen them make sets in seven yeah, if foot you're, of water. If you're fishing, yeah, if you're fishing eight, ten foot of water, you're probably going to drag the bottom. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But what, what depth of water would you guys typically fish? What would y'all's preferred depth? I would say probably ten to fifteen if I had to guess. And yeah. I, yeah, and like I say, I don't really remember and. That's what, not really your calls. That too. was yeah, and that wasn't really my get the net up, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was that was more my job. So that was a little above my head. But I, if I, you know, probably ten to fifteen foot was. Average. I would guess that's probably um, about right too, because that's probably enough water to where there's a lot in there, like enough water column, but you're not so deep to where they get out the bottom. Right. Yeah, right. Probably is. What else? What? 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 Was there anything? Any kind of crazy? Did y'all ever? You ever see any like dolphins come in as bycatch? Y'all ever get any of those in there? Um, very few, man. Um, and and most of those you try to get out immediately if you see them. I mean, you 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 dip the you dip the corks and try to and, and let them out and try to. They'll come them. out. Yeah, most of the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I've seen porpoises on on the beaches, and like if you call them in, a lot of times they'll tell you that they come from the pokey boats. You know. Yeah, I and I don't and, know and, how many of those. And know. it's, I mean, it's possible that they did. Um, what about tarpons? I don't think I ever saw a tarpon not in our nets. No. Um, not that I remember. 
Yeah, those would kind of be pretty hard to catch, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty elusive. So. <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea behind like like with the pogey boats, they say that they maintain like five percent bycatch, which like on shrimp boats I think it's something crazy, like thirty or forty percent, like, you know, as what they have as their thing but I, to me I, I don't know how many million pounds of pogies the all the fleets in the northern gulf catch combined but to me i mean didn't you say y'all caught like a hundred well, million pounds i'll in tell you our, yeah our boat alone um can't remember what year it was 18 i believe caught 103 million pounds 103 million yeah. pounds and that's one boat that's one boat how many boats were in the fleet uh, there was i believe there was eight boats in our fleet at the time eight boats in the fleet yeah, how so many fleets are on the on the northern gulf oh man um i couldn't tell you i want to say i want to say three yeah there's two yeah. or three i'm pretty sure i don't really know either i want to um, say three but dude if it's say most of the boats catch 50 million pounds I mean, that's a lot of fish. And yeah, then that's take, a good season still. That's a that's all right. I don't really know. Good. I'm not gonna do all that math, but you take all the all that all of their pogey catch combined, and then take five percent of that. That's still a lot of bycatch. That's a lot. <laughs> it is. Yeah, uh, I guess. I guess if you put it that way, it is. Yeah, and that's that's. I think that's. I don't know. Whenever you see, whenever you're, you know, you're fishing, and then you see a bunch of you know, redfish that you're trying to catch in the wake of one of these big pogey boats. It's a bad look for them, man. It really is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you can't control it, you know, it, yeah. it is a bad look. Yeah. Um, but you just feel like it wasn't that often. I just feel like, yeah, I mean, I feel like it wasn't that often. I, and I don't feel, I feel like, you know, like I say, there was system and systems in place to, control even the bycatch and still you know keeping it alive yeah um so you know if you had to venture to say half of that five percent just say half which i would venture to say it was larger than that but just say half of that five percent so you know you're that's only you know you're you're it's a lot yeah it's a lot anyway you put it i mean that's i don't know it's a lot to take but at the same time like do you all right this is a valid question do you think that um, pogey fishing is sustainable the way that they're doing it? I think it is because if I, I, if you think of it, you know, you you even brought it up. If you think about it over time, you know, it's been around. I don't know for a fact, but forty or fifty years, if I had to guess. Um, yes, it's getting more advanced as is the entire world. Yeah, people are so, getting better at it. Yeah, and so people are getting better at it. It's 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 getting to where you can catch fish faster. Um, so I guess it depends on, I think in that industry, you can only grow so much. I don't mm. think that it's just, I mean, a big part of me at an extreme rate to where, you know, it's uncontrollable, controllable and it's, and it's becoming bad. I don't, I don't think that it's going to get to that point. Yeah. And they've, 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 I think they've, uh, shrink in the fleet, like the size of it, like. Like they, they like the companies themselves. Like there's a happy medium to, like if they make the fleets too big, then the, I guess I don't know. There's like a, I heard something about that. Somewhere. I really, I really don't know. Um, but I mean, the idea of it for them, they probably have enough money to double their fleet size. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, it would seem a, like it. It's, 
if they could, but the, babe, I don't think they could. Like, the, I don't know if the fishery could sustain a doubled. No, I don't think so. I think that they, I think that they are controlled. I don't know how, and I don't know exactly by who. Um, that's not really something I've ever looked into. That's a, that's a good yeah. kind of point or question to make. But but I mean, they they have to have sure some type of self self control over that. Cause, yeah, I mean, and I mean, it may not even be self. I mean, it may be. Well, I mean, I, I know that, yeah, the DMR right. got to regulate. Um, yeah, the biologists and stuff. No, there's definitely tons of, like, research and stuff that I know that goes into the Menhaden. But to the question of is it sustainable, I, I think I agree with you on that. Like, I I think that, um, I think it would be weird, like, if they just decided not to pogey fish for a year. Like, what what would what would that look like? What would happen? And, I mean, you think about it this way, man. What is Venice considered? the fishing capital of the world yeah. and you're pogey fishing right outside of it on its you know front doorstep and it's still the fishing capital of the world so you know yeah. do i think that they run it perfectly no but do i think it's sustainable yes yeah. yeah, I mean, but I think there can always be improvements to be made. Yeah, but and everything. What is the big? Do, do you know much about the products that they make with these? I mean, because like nobody's eating these fish, right? Yeah. Guys, so for all not, the listeners, these are menhaden. These are like small fish, less than a pound. Yeah. So they're not. You, you, they're not. You know, you don't eat them, you don't consume them, or whatever. But, um, so what they're mainly used for is their oils, and they're huge. Um, they're huge in omega oils and. So they make like like supplements. So they make supplements off of your um, fish oil vitamins, obviously, and then they man a lot of that oil is 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 put into women's makeup, is put into chapsticks, is uh, you know facial products. Any? Do you know where it's sent to? Do they make those products here? Or do they just? So I want to say that the company now in Mississippi. I want to say that the guy that owns that now kind of has his own everything, kind of has his own process. And I could be wrong about that, but that's that's what I've heard, um, that he he owns, you know, different parts of each. The supply chain. Yeah, supply chain. And so, um, you know, they're sent – I don't know. No, I don't know exactly where they're sent to or how that's done. Um, I do know that at – you know our factory they're actually run through a process to where they're pressed and they're to extract the oils out of them and then you know the leftover is is ground up for a uh, meal which is you know would use for your for your pet foods and and things like that different types of and they're food, probably yeah, chicken food and stuff yeah and they're so they're used they're used for a lot of things man a lot of good things a lot of you know vi- vitamins like i say is probably the biggest or, or, or i guess best thing that they're used for used for but yeah, yeah and, the, and the whole fish is used you know all of it is used so yeah yeah i mean you're you are right, and like a big part of me feels like the um, I've said that, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but like the um, like the environment has a way of uh, feeling like pressures in the ecosystem. I mean, I know that this is kind of like a crazy idea, but I mean, I think there is some um, like actual like scientific facts to it. But like, I believe that the environment has a way of communicating with itself in some type of way. Like, they've proven that, like, certain types of plants and things can, like, communicate. Um, and and the things in the water have evolved for a lot longer than, like, what we have on land. You know what I mean? Like, the like the water was made first 
a lot of people believe. And so if that's the case, like if they've been evolving for that long, it'd be crazy to say that we could just come along and make something go extinct. Like that's in the water. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's not really any fish that we've like made go completely extinct right. that are in the ocean. You know, right. We've done it to freshwater species. But um, yeah, I, part of me thinks that the environment has a way of knowing that, all right, you put out this many pogies this year and this was the effect of that. And then maybe the next year they have a way of knowing that we need to put out this much to where, you know, and I think that you can, as fishermen, go overboard to where, you know, you deplenish it so much to where the, the environment doesn't know how to how to come back. But I think a lot of times what happens to the brute stock of it will will shift. It'll just go to somewhere completely different. Like you'll see, like, on certain islands, those species will just completely leave and they'll, they'll, they won't come back is because they... They're adapting. Yeah, they're adapting. They're like, you know, we don't want to go back there. All Everybody always dies when we go back yeah. there. Somehow, I don't know. Yeah. But... Part of me really believes that the Menhaden, um, I don't know. I just feel like it's sustainable in a lot of ways, you know. And and a lot of me feels like that way because, I don't know, they had a documentary on Netflix called Seaspiracy. I don't know if you watched it. I haven't seen that. Um, but the whole basis of the documentary that, you know, is our oceans are getting dwindled down. There's overfishing everywhere. And uh, basically at the end of it, it says that there is no sustainable way of fishing. Like, we're just basically taking from our oceans and it's not replenished like we're not letting it replenish at a rate which sustainable and i just i i just kind of have to refuse to believe that you know what i mean like there yeah, is man, examples I, of sustainable fishing yeah that's, that's extremely people. hard for me to believe actually <laughs> just i mean yeah that's i don't believe that at all yeah yeah um and there's a lot of fishermen that want to like talk about these pogey fishermen like they're um like they're completely like decimating this year after year and it's just getting worse and worse. And like, there's a, there's a part of me that really feels that way too. That like, if we didn't have these pokey fishermen, like it would be so much greater of fishery. You know what I mean? We'll catch so many more mm -hmm. fish if they weren't here. And maybe some people feel that same way about the shrimpers and how much that they kill. But part of me feels like we've been like, I don't know. I used to feel that way. And then when I had somebody on call, his name Walter Heathcock and he said man these people are like farmers you know the grass grows you go cut the grass or you you, you cut the corn and then you go sell it and or you go catch the shrimp and then you go sell it you're farming you know and a lot of a lot of ways I feel that same way about like the menhaden and the, and the shrimp you know like it's it's sustainable yeah <laughs> so I mean yeah I would think that you know if you didn't I don't know. I think there would be different, I guess, uh, the hunting ground for the fish if you didn't. Yeah, they would um, move on. Yeah, I mean, maybe they would move somewhere else. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't move at all. Maybe they had fish at you know their front doorstep every single day of every <laughs> you know the whole year, and and they never had to move. So then, what do you you know? Yeah. But you know, I guess there's kind of all there's a lot of you know kind of what ifs either way um but i definitely think that it's sustainable no no well man is there anything else you want to um say about that like the i mean i don't, I don't we've done about a half hour now dragging on too long um i just want to say i mean i guess that you know i i really enjoyed the my career out there and um you know it was very interesting it was it was fun and like i say i had a great crew i loved the crew i was with um, love the people I worked for and, 
hard um, work, but enjoyed yeah, it, it was it was very hard work. But we kind of like I say, we had a really good crew, and so and so we worked really well together, and we made it fun, and we made it a good environment to live in. Um, you miss it at all? I miss the schedule. I, I miss the six months, but you know, it was a it was a different kind of grind. It was a it was a very physical grind because I mean, you're you're working sun up to sundown pretty much every day. Yes, you were only working for six months, but yeah. you know, you're sun up to sundown, and you're you still get weekends. Though. Yeah, you get your weekends, and it, like, and yeah, it was a great schedule. Absolutely, it was a great schedule. But it it was uh, and one of the thing is one of the things is too, and it's kind of like my job now. You kind of never knew when you were gonna fish you know because you 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 could wake up one morning and there'd be no fish all day long and you wouldn't make a set which that didn't happen very often but you could also wake up the next morning and you're busting out 16 sets in a, in a day and you know those couple hours a piece or whatever yeah that's it's tough work it's a lot um, of work yeah. a lot of work and you know you're in and out of the dock sometimes changing nets nets rip nets you know Y'all had to stuff do that, breaks. like repair nets and stuff. Uh, so we actually had a, we actually had people um, back at the dock that that them. would yeah they would little holes and stuff you could you could so fix throw on, it up on the then... boat but a lot of the times you would have for a huge you know a real big something that would cause you to to have to come in I guess and not be able to fish anymore yeah you would put it up on the dock and we would have. Oh, y'all didn't Guys. have separate separate nets. Like y'all had extra nets. Um, yeah. So we did, but a lot of the times it was just quicker to go in to go. Uh, well, so we didn't have separate nets out there. No, we you only fished with one net. Yeah. While oh, you're, really? Yeah. So while you're at yeah, but you if had you ripped the net. You had to go in. Depending on how bad you ripped it, a lot of the times we could sew it up ourselves offshore. Um, but depending on you know, like I said, depending on how bad it was, yeah, a lot of the times you had to bring it in and get it sewn back at the dock. Or, you know, if it was really bad and, and maybe you didn't like that net or maybe you did like that net and just the hole was just bad enough, you'd have to take that net off and, and change that to put a different one on yeah. um, and so you could get back out to fish. How big was y'all's crew? I never did ask you. Um, Man, I want to say we ran like 15 people. 15? Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, because there was, there was six in each boat, I want to say um purse boats and then you had a crew or you had a cook you had there was a, enough things for you guys to do six of y'all in one of those oh purse yeah boats. that's what i'm saying like man there was it was constant moving parts everybody had a job everybody had a place to be at all times it was um it was it was i guess kind of hectic i guess i would say i mean i enjoyed it i i enjoyed the constant the intensity um, yeah the intensity the whole time but i mean it, it could get hectic at times and you know, like I say, you have to make a quick decision, you know, on the fly. Or yeah. That's pretty crazy, though. Fifteen people. Y'all had a stew, like somebody cooked? Yeah, had a cook. Um, had a pilot that, you know, because the captain would fish with us during the day. He would be he would be running one of the boats. He would run one of the purse boats? The yeah. Captain? Yeah, and most captains out there did. I don't know if all of I don't think all of them do or did. Um, because that's their money, too, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they like to have you know that control and you you kind of know more of what's going on and you know maybe i don't know it's just just easier to make decisions when you're actually there and not up on the up on the ship you know yeah. up on the steamer so but we'd have a pilot that would run you know at nighttime like if we were running back into the dock to offload fish or if we were running to a 
you know, different spot where we thought the fish were going to be the next day or whatever. He would run night and we'd have a mate and you'd have two engineers. Um, so it was, a, it was a big operation, man. It was each, each boat runs a, runs a pretty, pretty large, uh, operation. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> and you guys, like, did you ever get to come in and then go to that, to the, to your bed for a night or no? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, uh, yeah, we usually like didn't fish at night. Like, we usually didn't fish at night, yeah. So oh, y'all came in like for the home? night, yeah, go home? Not really. Um, not really. Sometimes we would. I mean, you know, our, our location was pretty close to my home, so, you know, we did sometimes during the yeah. week. It, just, it really just depended on how uh, long your offload would take, which they had guys also at the docks that would. And sometimes you guys would offload offshore, right? Like, yeah, so you so they have a few boats in each of the fleets that are specifically run boats, and you just transfer all your fish to them, and they run it back and forth to the dock. So that's all they do, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Run fish. Yeah, run supplies and stuff. If, you know, need yep. need a part. It's crazy seeing those things whenever they move in on like where you're fishing. Because sometimes, like I don't know, this year it seemed like it was really bad in one area in particular. They were just like it seemed like there was like ten <laughs> pokey boats like steamers in one yeah. spot you know yeah Crazy. well i mean that's the thing they once they're there everybody piles up yep pretty much if if there's boats in the area you you know everybody's looking to get their share so <laughs> i feel like a cool job would be to be one of those spotter planes <laughs> it is man they see a lot like i say i've seen videos of you know from from their view and it's it's so cool watching them move in those schools like that and those big you know just huge just dark clouds in the water you know you ever thought about um doing any other type of fishing for work or you feel like your fishing days are oh man my fishing days are probably behind me you think so yeah i had enough of that yeah (laughs) i'd actually man i'd pilot one of those boats that'd be a pretty cool job to just you know run one of those boats back and forth for six months yeah um but actually fishing, man, probably my, my fishing days. The stuff that you got to do to get to being a pilot is probably not. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's not. Oh, yeah, 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 as far as You'd working have to go back to up. fishing. Yeah, exactly, as far as working your way up. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that's not something uh, My I'm brother did a, a, a season out in Alaska, and he's going back this year, and um, I'm thinking about going out and visit him. But I could see that being a lot of fun, dude. Just going up to Alaska and work on a fishing boat for. Oh, it it, it, it would be absolutely. Would I mean, be. I'm not talking. I'm not no crazy dude. I ain't going out there and crabbing and. In, in, oh no no no! In the wintertime in Alaska. What what did he? He was on salmon boats, right? Yeah, salmon yeah. boats. I mean, their season starts so, yeah. starts in June and ends in September. I mean, that's like the prime time to be in Alaska. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so. I would I would do that for sure. <laughs> you would do it? Oh yeah, I would do that absolutely. That's super yeah. cool. Uh, there's definitely a lot of different ways, and that's that's one thing too. Is like a lot of the fishermen that he talks to, and like the captain that he worked for, they also feel like like they've started to better manage the salmon up there with you know using the hatchery and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Maybe there. I don't know. To me, there is there is a point, and maybe this might be a good way to end it. There's there's a point in which we can take and the environment will learn how to replenish because I personally feel like we are a part of the environment. Like Exactly. We have, there's like some type of, there's a threshold to the amount that you can take and then 
the environment will replenish and then there's you know, a point to where you get excessive and then year after year that number is going to get smaller and smaller until you have nothing which has happened before but yeah absolutely i mean i agree with that i, I agree if you you know you you take you, you take a certain amount you don't overtake you don't over and i, and I feel like and like you said, specifically, the ocean has just a, a huge adaptability, yep. you know, to it and, and, and environmentally. And um, I just think, I, I don't know, I just think a lot of a lot of fishing is sustainable. I just don't think that we'll ever truly outfish, you know, the ocean. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Only time will tell. I don't think any will. of us know. Some some people will listen to us saying this, and they're like, "Call us crazy, crazy." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's people out there like that, but I just, I don't know. It's hard to want to move through life just, and I don't think that's the way to like make the the pogey fishing better. Like, because there is ways to make it better for there to be less bycatch and stuff. But mm -hmm. to just call them the people that are, you know, they're they're screwing up this place. I don't think that's how we um, progress. Yeah, further on. No, I mean, there's 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 other people in other areas of fishing that you know overcatch mm -hmm. you know yeah. I mean, so i don't know it just depends on where you look at it or, or how you look at it and kind of what <laughs> what side you're rooting for really i mean this is is the way out but i mean i just like i say I, I just believe the adaptability is you know i, I, I believe a lot of what we're doing is sustainable yeah. so I hope so, man. Hopefully, um, somebody over us has got like. Hopefully, I, what I really hope has happened, and you know, some fisheries and other places have, you know, they you, you, they call it putting capitalism, like catch shares and stuff, and people just see how much money they can make off of these fish. But hopefully, that these companies here along the Gulf Coast have these Menhaden fishing companies have kind of learned how much they can take with there being a replenishment the next year and hopefully them along with other biologists that they've worked for know that threshold and and hopefully you know they you know we can get a handle on the bycatch and maybe give us a little bit of barrier i don't know what what they're going to do with that but um i don't know hopefully they figured it out <laughs> uh, yeah yeah I, and i think they move to that direction every year you know to, to get better to get better I yeah think everybody does oh, absolutely i mean I, yeah maybe that's, not that's, just that's make that's more money thing I, get better right? that's one thing i will say for sure is like if, if anybody has that thought they're not they don't overlook any of it at all like you they know, probably want to make money out. five or ten years from now oh absolutely and i mean it's <laughs> you know be a bad business plan if they didn't. yeah and i mean it's not it's not just strictly business yes at the end of the day i mean you run a business you want a business you, you want to make money but you know these people are environmental people too they don't want to they don't want to kill everything whether they're making money off of it or not you know they don't want to ruin an ecosystem or you know ruin whatever for other fishermen or anything like that they have no ill intent i guess yeah. is, is is the way i should put it it's ab absolutely no ill intent and there's i don't know man I, place, I don't know these people personally you know, so i mean it wouldn't surprise me if somebody's up there that's really money hungry i want to see how i mean that's happened that, that oh, like i say at the end of the day of you know i mean when people own a business people they're, figure they're out looking to make money, money. Make. absolutely absolutely <laughs> but yeah. you know and, and and that also but i'm just hoping they see the big picture for the, the you know oh yeah for sure I, I, I think they do the long-term game i think they do <laughs> I, I think they work every year for it hopefully 
All right, man. Well, Taylor, I really appreciate um, you coming on today, man. Like I said. Yeah, oh. no problem. I enjoyed and, it. And uh, I really uh, try this bottle of vodka that I brought you. Um, yellow Will Bend do. vodka. It's good do. stuff, man. Put that we to didn't use. bust into it today, but um, good stuff. So, Oh, yeah. And I will tell you guys that um, you guys can all find this Yellowfin vodka. It's only sold in Louisiana, but if you go on yellowfindistillery.com, you can uh, they have a store locator on there so you can actually see where the vodka is being kept because i've kind of done a poor job of that people ask me all the time where to find this stuff and uh now you can go find it yourself go go on yellowfindistillery.com and um, you can find the store where you can purchase it so thanks again guys um, for tuning in to another episode and have a great day in tight lines